time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Well, it's time for another edition of Re-Engineering Your Finances. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy, founder of CP Weldy Group, serving you in Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Ford, PA. They're on Route 52. Visit us online at cpweldygroup.com. Charles, great to be with you this week. How you been, sir? I'm doing well, Walter. How about yourself? Yeah, doing great. And uh, I know we've got a fun show on the way for today. We're going to have uh, we're gonna have some fun with this one, Charles. We're going to go over the financial commandments that uh, everybody should follow. Just like the Ten Commandments should be, uh, you know, probably a good guiding force for all of us in life, we're going to lay down uh, some financial commandments on today's show. Only five, though. We're not going to go for a full ten on this program. So I only have to break five today, right? (laughs) Only break five (laughs) commandments. I hope you're not breaking these, Charles. These these are the good stuff. This is, uh, these are good commandments. Now, I'm sure that you have plenty of clients who have broken these commandments in the past, and you've had to play the role of getting them back in into good shape. So I think this will be a fun one to talk about. So we're going to see, I, my opinion is these are worthy of being written in stone tablets, although you're ultimately the executor here, Charles. So if you want to throw one of these commandments out, we could certainly do so if you disagree with them. We'll, we'll see. Sure. All right, first one on the list. Let's see where we're going with this. I think this will be fun. Uh, Thou shalt not compare your investments to the stock market without the proper context. Why is that a uh, rule worthy of being written on a stone tablet? Well, Walter, I don't know if, you know, and tell me if you heard this or not. Have you ever heard of the pyramid of risk? The pyramid of risk? No, I don't think I've heard of the it's, pyramid of risk. It's really just a pyramid. You know, obviously, okay. uh, you know, the foundation has certain investments and the top of the pyramid has others. And if you could visualize it, you know, the bottom, the base has things that are very, you know, safe and conservative, like uh, cash, government bonds, fixed annuities, index annuities. So realistically, if someone had monies in that particular uh, you know, base of the pyramid, their expectations of like what they're going to get rate of return would be somewhere on maybe a low side of zero. I mean, you could actually get zero at the bank. You know, I don't know what they're paying today. And maybe on the high side, I would say, even though it could exceed three, I would just say zero to three, the base of the pyramid, things that are absolutely safe, safe in the terms of you can't lose your principal. Do you follow that concept? Yeah, I got it. All right. So then in the middle of the pyramid is where most investors have the bulk of their money. They're in stock funds, bond funds, exchange traded funds, maybe a variable annuity. And realistically, the rate of return over time in that particular area of the pyramid would be somewhere around six to eight percent. Because, you know, realistically, the bulk of it is invested in stock funds. All right. So six to eight percent. Over time, because in any one year, as we know, if you're in the stock market, you could lose you know, X amount of dollars depending upon how much you have. And then lastly, the, the, the top of the pyramid, the peak of the pyramid, is individual holdings. It could be individual stocks, individual bonds. It could be alternative investments such as oil and gas. Uh, but the point there is you know, you're going to get a higher return the higher you go up the pyramid, but you're taking more risk. So they'll not check, they'll, shall not compare your investments to the stock market without proper context. In my world, depending upon what your goals are, you would have a little, a lot, you know, in each, you know, your allocation in each, ba- each part of the pyramid would differ depending upon when the money's going to be needed and how much is going to be needed, that type thing. So you have to put things in context. I mean, if your neighbor gets six and you get four and you fast forward 20 years, your neighbor runs out of money and you didn't, who won the race? Well, that's a great point. Kind of a tortoise and hare comparison. 
Exactly. Yeah, a, a lot of different angles. We could certainly approach that one from context, just so important, especially when you're looking at investment returns, because you can be way up one day, way down the next day, and it can totally flip uh, your perception of how things are going. So remember the plan, remember the long term ideas and goals, too, that you put in place. Always involve that context. Another great financial commandment to follow, I would think, is thou shalt not give up before giving your strategy enough time to play out. This is an important one, Charles, because we're all pretty impatient these days. Yeah, I, uh, I go back to one of my mentors. He's up in New York. His name's Nick Murray. I probably said this on a prior podcast, but he has said something that resonates with me, you know, continuously when I hear this, uh, you know, people being impatient. He has a saying, and it's, it goes like this. He says, short-term unknowable, long-term inevitable. So the reality of it is, is like in any one day, week, year, we don't know what the stock market's going to do. But if history's any guide, and it's the only guide I have, over time, stocks will outperform fixed income. And, you know, concentrated stocks will outperform, you know, diversified portfolios, things of that nature. So the important thing with being patient is to know that, hey, I have a plan. I know when the money is going to be needed. And, you know, the short term doesn't mean anything. It's really what happens in the long term, which is extremely important. Yep. Another great point, I think, there to make, Charles. So thou shalt not give up before giving your strategy enough time to play out. Commandment number two here on our financial commandments. All right. This one's short and sweet, but a good one. Commandment number three, Charles, thou shalt not chase big returns too late in life. Well, again, you know, what's the plan? When will the money be needed? So, you know, in our I guess, financial planning practice, we believe heavily in the bucket planning strategy, which means that you don't have one portfolio, uh, you actually have two or more. And, you know, I guess two or more, let's just call three, three portfolios. One is just in cash. It's the now bucket that you need in case of emergencies. Uh, Maybe you're buying a car, planning a wedding, putting a new roof on the house. That money is is strictly off the table, not to be invested because it's needed short term. But then you have the second bucket, which is the soon bucket. And if people you know, adhere to this philosophy, what they would do is they would peel off a portion of their investments, their total investments, and they would put it in that soon bucket for the sole purpose of actually filling an income gap. So that if I needed $4,000 a month and I had 3000 coming in from Social Security and I'm short $1,000, I would be prudent to consider putting 1000 a month times 12 months, 12000 a year, times 10 years, $120,000 in that soon bucket. I know that, you know, since I need the money sooner rather than later, it's probably not going to make a great rate of return. But the reality of it is it gives me an opportunity to segregate the remaining money in the later bucket and maybe to earmark it towards growth so that fast forward 10, 12 years, I had that money replenished because I had the ability to create my bucket for short-term cash flow needs and have the remaining portion invested for long-term growth. So uh, thou shalt not chase uh, big returns too late in life. I think if you have a strategy, you can make consistent returns over time by knowing what what monies will be needed, when they'll be needed, and putting it appropriately in certain buckets. We're rolling through these, Charles. uh, Sounds like these are all getting written into the tablet so far. Let's go to number four, another financial commandment. Thou shalt not ignore costs and fees. Well, you know, I'm a big cost guy because I come from an accounting background and, you know, overturn the rock, what's the hidden cost, that type thing. And I would just say this. I mean, this is my opinion. It's not fact, but 
I think most people will agree with me. Uh, if you have costs uh, in your portfolio of greater than one and a half percent, whether you use an advisor or not, if it's greater than one and a half percent, I think it's on the high side. If it's under one percent, I think it's on the low side. So I would say the costs are important, but the reality of it is, is you know. All these companies, whether it be Vanguard, Fidelity, American Funds, what have you, they got to turn the lights on so everybody has costs. But the key is you have to know what you're paying for. And I'm really uh, at times perplexed when I do financial plans for prospects and I see their holdings and I don't think they're paying any fees. And then when I actually analyze some of the investments that they're in, it's not just the expense ratios that stand out. It's, you know, the turnover costs that really aren't articulated in anything that they can see uh, or hear. But um, it was John Bogle many, many years ago from Vanguard who said, hey, if you have a mutual fund with an expense ratio of a half a point, 0.50% and the turnover is 50%, what you do is you multiply the turnover 50% times the expense ratio 0.50% and that's another 25 basis points 0.25%. You have another 25 basis points of hidden costs in your portfolio. So someone who looked at a Vanguard prospectus that said, hey, my expense ratio is 0.50% they're really paying 0.75 because of the high turnover. Well, I don't want to say 0.50 is high turnover. It's probably average turnover. But the reality of it is a lot of these funds that people have, uh, the money managers are continuously buying, selling, trading. And at the end of the year, you get the net return. And a lot of these fees are buried and hidden in the actual investment performance. So important, I think, to uh, try to make sure that you're keeping track of what uh, everything in life is costing you, right? We, we all want to know how much we're paying. There's so much focus on our uh, in the marketing of look at the hidden fees that are in your uh, your cell phone bill, right? I feel like there was uh, for a couple of years there, it was wars between the cell phone companies of we don't put hidden hidden fees in your pl- in uh, you know your cell phone plans, and people started scrutinizing all of that just to save a couple dollars a month. Well. You think about the uh, money that can be saved by properly keeping track of these kinds of things in your retirement plans. It's astronomical. So more attention certainly needs to be paid in the uh, cost and fee area of financial lives for a lot of folks. Last but not least, Charles, one more financial commandment to include today in our first iteration of the financial commandments. Perhaps we can come back later and add a, a couple of more. Thou shalt not overlook the importance of rebalancing and diversifying. Now, that's a bit subjective. What does that look like in your eyes? So uh, there's a fellow by the name of Michael Kitsis. I think I'm pronouncing his name right, K-I-T-C-E-S. And he's like uh, an educator in the financial planning arena, Uh, well-known, well-respected amongst people like myself. And he had a paper, I think it was about three years ago, that indicated that annual rebalancing could add up to 0.35% total return on your portfolio. What does that mean? Well, you know, the reality of it is, is our portfolios that we build for clients, we make sure that at least once a year, we're doing an annual rebalance. And what that is, is it's almost like dollar cost averaging in disguise. Someone might have an allocation where half their money's in fixed income and half their money is in stock. At the end of the year or near the end of the year, the stock market went up very well and the bond or the uh, fixed income portfolio didn't go up that much. Well, 
near the end of the year, they're probably not allocated 50-50. They might be more like 65-35. Just an example that I'm giving. And what we'll do is we'll automatically rebalance to get them back into the 50-50 allocation. And what that does is, hey, we're selling our winners at a gain and we're buying the losers at a discount. So over time, this fellow by the name of Michael Kitsis, uh, and I kind of believe what he's written because I've seen the evidence that, you know, he has in his various white papers that rebalance and annual rebalance and does add to a portfolio, you know, a certain amount of return. And I think everyone should have that embedded in their investment philosophy. I would imagine if somebody follows these commandments, Charles, they'll be in pretty good shape when it comes to retirement. They'll at least be off to a pretty, pretty darn good start if they keep all these things in check. Yeah, and I would say one last thing about, uh, I didn't uh, t uh, talk about the diversifying, but people have to realize that when you diversify, what you're really doing is you're actually creating a lesser rate of return on your portfolio than you would be had you just specifically identified certain stocks or bonds that you felt comfortable with. Because the more you diversify, you know, the less likely you are to, you know, hit a home run. So it's like a baseball player. Uh, with diversification, as a general rule, you're not going to hit any home runs. You're not going to strike out. You're kind of looking at singles and doubles. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, I was always taught that singles and doubles win ball games. And I think diversification is an extremely important part of investing, uh, you know, your uh, hard-earned money in the stock market. That's a great point, Charles, and I think all of these are good to remember. And if you have not thought about these kinds of things before, if you're breaking some of these financial commandments, it's time to get right. Uh, if you've been chasing big returns as you get closer to retirement, a little bit of a red flag there. If you've been ignoring your costs and fees, not rebalancing and diversifying, if you're not doing these kinds of things, if you implement a strategy and then you know pull out and, and don't focus on it and change course immediately after putting it into place, you know these are all things that you could probably fix, correct, and do better. And if you want to talk to Charles about what that would look like, what kind of relationship you can engage in with Charles to get in a better financial and retirement situation, don't hesitate to reach out. The number to call is 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705. Or go online to cpweldygroup.com. And we'll put contact info and links in the description of today's show. So just check there if you need to get in touch. Charles, thanks for the help and the guidance on today's show. Great job with these commandments. I'll get to work on putting these into the stone tablet and get it out in the mail to you so you can put it up in the office. How's that sound? Thanks, Walter. And I'll make sure I don't break any of them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Do your best, sir. Thanks for being with us. That's Charles Weldy. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.